Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Praise the Lord. Well, be seated if you can. Stand up if you need to. Doesn't make me any difference. I'm going to preach either way. Somebody say, preach, preacher. Okay, I will. Praise God. I'm excited. Y'all are excited. Do you love our praise and worship team at all? Do they... I'm going to have to get busy here because uh, I've got a long way to go and a short time to get there this morning. Uh, man, it's almost hard to say that without, you know, just five songs jumping in your head, you know, from that movie. But the reality is next week we are celebrating a huge thing. The, the Bible says that whenever, whenever they would come to a, a place where God did something, they would oftentimes build an altar or a monument to memorialize what God did. So that's why we celebrate the anniversaries of our church and when big things happen for us as a, as a community. So next week is that five-year anniversary. I encourage you, be here. It's going to be a special, special Sunday. Amen? I want to talk this morning, not too long, but I want to talk about what's on a lot of people's minds. Uh, and one of the things, if you're anything like me, is you can have the, the thought why am I always in a struggle? Why am I always in a conflict? And maybe not always, but if you looked at your life and you were honest, you would say, you know what? The bulk of my life, I'm wrestling with something. It's not like the bulk of my life is like, you know, tiptoeing through the tulips and every now and then I have a brief and, you know, skirmish. On the, on the contrary, it's almost like conflict is like the norm and those seasons of absolute, you know, nothing, nothing has gone wrong in the last month, that just doesn't happen very often. And, and if we think about it, it, it's something that kind of a, it's a, it's a tie that kind of binds us all together. Whether, you're, whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or you've been a Christian for 500 years, there's something about living for God that it's almost like you go from conflict to conflict. And, and the, the history recorded in our Bible, it actually means that you're on track when this is taking place as opposed to there's something wrong in your life when this is taking place. So uh, in other words, maybe, maybe you've had the thought before like, you know what? When I accomplish this thing, whatever it is, then I will be at peace and stress will no longer be in my life. Maybe it's like, maybe it's like this. Maybe like when I pay this car off, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be so far ahead of the game. I just can't wait. And then you pay the car off and the very next month, your kid starts college. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, what is going on here? How come, you know, I get to this one benchmark and I've got this little window of, 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 it's almost like where I'm from, we would say little window of yeehaw, you know, just, just like, man, I, I did it or we did it or God did it or however you want to say it in that moment. But, but there's always something else at the other side. The moment that you reach whatever benchmark you've got, you find out, did you know the Golden Gate Bridge out in San Francisco, they never stop painting it. When they start on one end, by the time they get to the other end, they come all the way back and they start again. 
And don't you know that guy's sitting there when he's, he's putting that last coat of paint. He's like, whoo, thank God I am done. And then his boss says, oh, I got something else for you. Start over. He's like, start what? Start over. Because constant work, constant maintenance, constant conflict is not unusual. But the devil will tell you that you're the only one experiencing it. And he'll lie to you and he'll look at you and he'll be like, he'll say, he'll whisper in your ear. He'll be like, you know, you should be like old Billy. Billy never has any stress. Billy, the ball always bounces his way. Billy never has trouble. And you'll be sitting there going, how come Billy never has trouble when the reality is, is Billy's got trouble by the bushel. He just doesn't magnify the trouble. He magnifies God in spite of the trouble. I want to talk about a young man in our Bible named David who would later become king. And, and David was a man, he was the son of a guy named Jesse. And Jesse had several boys and, and there was a guy named Samuel who was the prophet. He was the voice of God in that time. And, and the first king of Israel's name was Saul. And the Bible says that God spoke to Samuel and says, I'm going to anoint the next king of Israel and he's going to come out of Jesse's house. He's going to be one of Jesse's sons. So go to Jesse's house. And when I point him out to you, I want you to anoint him publicly so so they will know that he is the next king of Israel. So Samuel begins to go and he makes his way to Jesse's house and Jesse sees him coming from afar and he's like, oh my goodness, here comes the man of God, here comes the prophet. Because in those days, uh, they didn't think of men and women of God as a bunch of limp-wristed sissies. You see what I'm saying? When a man of God in those days would say something, it would actually happen. When they said it's going to rain fire from heaven, fire from heaven would fall. When they said it's not going to rain for a while, you better hope you had stored up some water because it wasn't going to rain. Men and women of God had overwhelming respect. So Jesse was like, is there bad news? Is there good news? What's going on? And Samuel says, everything's fine. I've come to make sacrifice with you. Uh, We're going to make sacrifice together. And I want to talk to your sons. So he says, I'm going to anoint one of your boys to be the next king of Israel. So Jesse is thrilled. He says, oh yeah, I'm about to be the, I'm about to be the daddy of the king. Surely something comes with that. Maybe I'll never have to pay taxes again. Praise God. You know, he's pretty happy about it. And he says, well, here's some boys of mine. And, and, and he lines them up in front of old Sam. And, and Sam goes by and says, nope, 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 nobody, nope. You are not the next king. And, and Samuel looks at, at, uh, uh, looks at Jesse and he says, Jesse, do do you not have any more boys? And he says, well, I got one more. He said, but he's very young and he's out tending the sheep. And Samuel said, well, nobody move. Go get this boy. And they bring David in front of Samuel. And Samuel looks and he sees, the Bible calls him ruddy. He said, this ruddy young shepherd boy. He says, now this is somebody God can use. And he anoints him to be king. And if you would have uh, had a son or a daughter anointed to be royalty, maybe you would have acted a little bit different. But the next thing we really have recorded of Jesse doing to uh, or saying to David is he tells him, hey, your brothers are in a war. I want you to take them something to eat. In other words, David was anointed to be king, but he was having to function as a pizza delivery driver. He had to do simple things well before he was able to do the the complicated things in his future. Uh, 
The Bible says, despise not humble or small beginnings. In other words, don't, don't worry about where you are today. God has a really good way of blessing us in the right season, at the right time, in front of the right people, at the right time. Somebody give God a big hand of praise if you've got a bright future in the kingdom. So David, his dad says, take, take your brother some corn and some bread. And he said, and I want you to take uh, the guys that, that, are, that are commanding them, the captains, I want you to take them some cheese. So he, he takes it and he, he, he leaves the, the sheep with somebody to take care of the sheep and he rides in a, in a wagon or a chariot and he gets there and he leaves that with somebody and he gets there and he gets to his brother and they walk up and he's like, here you go, Bubba, I got you some cheese or I got some cheese for, you, for your boss and I got some bread, some corn for you. And they're like, oh, Dave, that's pretty nice, man. Thanks a lot. And all of a sudden, there's this voice that's just constantly shouting in the distance. It's a giant, the Bible says, named Goliath, and he's railing against our God. He's railing against the God of Israel. He's talking about everything that he's going to do to God's people and how the God of Israel is not a good God, not a real God, and all these other lies and blasphemies. And David's sitting there, and, and, and what's happening is he's hearing everything that's being said, and he's, he's recognizing that something is happening that is bigger it's bigger than just the bread and the cheese. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes, and you can write this down if you're taking notes, you will hear things that other people do not hear. What I mean by that is when God gives you a calling, when God gives you something on your heart, you can't get frustrated when everybody else doesn't support what God's called you to do. You can't get frustrated when, when everybody doesn't immediately drop everything they were doing and get behind what you think. Because David is the only guy in this crowd that it is totally twisting his spirit, man, to hear this Goliath, this, this Goliath, this giant rail against our God. The reason is, is because David, not long before, he was the one who was standing there and the prophet was pouring oil on his head. Wasn't pouring oil on his brother's head. He was pouring oil on his head. So when that giant was talking about Israel, that giant was talking about the kingdom and the nation that God told David, it is yours. You will govern it. You will rule it. It will be you that protects it. So when he heard somebody, it was as if he was hearing somebody talking against his own children. In other words, mom, if, if there's a snake in the yard, you're going to run from it. But if there's a snake next to your kid, you're going to turn into like she woman and you're going to pull the snake into pieces without any fear. Because when you understand the family side of what you are protecting, now all of a sudden everything changes. So David hears it and he's like, hold on here. Who is that saying that? What's going on? And instantaneously his brother begins to flip on him. This is where we pick up. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse number 28. Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke unto the men because David said, who in the world is screaming against our God? And his brother's anger got, got, got waxed hot against David. He said, why did you come down here? And with whom did you leave the few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the naughtiness of your heart. For you come down uh, that you might see the battle. He said, he goes, he goes, who did you even leave those few little sheep with? 
Those little old, who did just a few sheep? Dad only, dad trusts me with a sword and a shield and to come out here and fight the enemy for our country. He said, but D only trusts you with just a, a few little sheep. Who did you even leave the few little sheep with? In other words, the voice of the naysayers in your life will always try to ridicule what you are currently responsible for. They will always try to put you in a position of making you less than, making you smaller than, when God is constantly whispering in your ear, you are the head and not the tail. You are blessed coming in and blessed going out. You want to know how do I know the difference between the enemy and God's voice? God's voice is constantly pulling you to a higher level and the devil's voice is constantly trying to pull you to a lower level. His brother said to him, he said, he said, where are those little bitty sheep? He said, what in the world? He said, I know the naughty. You just want to see the fight. And David said, see, you got it all wrong. You think I came to watch the fight. I came to win the fight. You see, there's something about a Christian that when you begin to walk after the things of God, when you hear what other people don't hear, when your soul is grieved, when your heart is, 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 is twisted, when you hear something and all of a sudden you realize this is something that I need to make a stand against. I'm not talking about physically. I'm not talking about putting somebody in their place. I'm not talking about anything. I'm talking about those spiritual things that come against you, that try to tell you you're everything you used to be. When God's telling you, you are not what you used to be. You are now the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Somebody give God a hand of praise this morning. David's answer to his brother was real simple. He looked at him and he said, what have I done now? And then he said this. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes. Is there not a cause? We at New Heights Church, our first touch team and everybody that helps pull the wagon, we don't help you park your car. We don't uh, uh, greet you at the door and usher you to a chair because we don't have anything better to do. We do so because there is a cause greater than everything else we have our hand to. You see, the reality is, is when you begin to understand that your life was was ransom for you now you begin to go wait a minute I was not just rescued I was rescued to become a rescuer is there not a cause David says are you deaf big brother do you not hear this giant railing against our God and then he does something real powerful next verse he says and he turned from him to another he turned from him to another. Number two, you've got to turn away from the voices that are speaking ill against you. Don't ever give them another thought. Listen, if it's your boss and they're telling you you're never going to be good enough, you, if it's your own mother and father and they're telling you you'll never be good enough, you've never been good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not, you have to come to yourself and your spirit person, your spirit man, your spirit and you have to turn away from what you are hearing and don't give any more voice in that direction because the truth of it is if you stay engaged with that distraction, you are going to miss what God God is calling you to do now. If you engage with that, don't you know that person that just wants you to engage with them? 
Come on, just nod your head. I'm not the only one. They, they, just, they just want you to engage with them. They don't even want to come to a solution. They just want to argue about it. They don't, want to, they don't want to know what God says. They don't want to know what the Bible says. They don't want to know. They just want to argue. They don't want to know what your dreams are. The only reason they want to know your dreams is so they can say, oh, get real. Where's the little sheep you're supposed to be tending? You can't do anything. You're not smart enough. You're not brave enough. You're not nice enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not handsome enough. You're not tall enough. You're not, every, every one of those. And all they're doing, they're just trying to come up with one thing that they can stick in you that will try to derail you from what God has called you to do when our opportunity is to turn from them because what you'll find is you will find that when you turn from the naysayers you'll find the people who are willing to help with the cause the scripture says that he turned from them and he began to talk after the same manner to somebody else and somebody heard it and they took it to the king They said, Saul, you're not going to believe this. You know that big giant out there that's screaming and railing and saying he's going to kill everybody? There's somebody that's willing to fight him. And he says, says, well, there's somebody willing to fight him. He says, well, bring him to me, verse 31. And the words were were heard, and he said them again. He rehearsed them again to Saul, and Saul sent for him. And David said to Saul, he said, let no man's heart fail because of this giant. Your servant will go. Somebody say, will go. Did you know if you're willing to go, God will send you? He, he uses the willing far more than he uses the able. I just want you to know. Far more than he uses somebody who's already equipped to do a thing. If somebody will just said, Lord, if you need somebody, you can use me. If you'll use me to reach my coworker, if you'll use me to reach my neighbor, if you'll use me to invite somebody to church, if you'll, use, if you'll use anybody, Lord, you can use me. He said, let their hearts not be true. I don't want these guys worried about it. They just need to calm down and chill out. And what I, what I could hear him saying on the inside, because the king is here. Everybody looking at David said, you're just a little shepherd boy. David said, you have no idea what I'm like. You have no, everybody looks at you and says, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough. But on the inside, there's a voice that keeps saying, they don't have any idea what they're talking about. They don't know what you've been through. They don't know what you went through. They don't know what that first marriage took out of you. They don't have any idea. The fact that you're still alive and serving God is enough reason to know that God is able to do more than we can ask or think. They don't have a clue. Quit listening to them. Don't give any more thought to them. The minute that they keep saying it, you just turn because you find somebody that's going to agree with you on what God said or you find somebody you can rescue. But if they're going to talk bad about you, if they're going to belittle your dreams and your visions and your ideas, there is no reason on the planet to put those dreams out in the atmosphere in front of them again. All they're trying to do is pour water on what you're trying to build a fire over. They don't even, they don't even, the reason they're belittling your dreams is because they don't have a dream. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. The reason they're coming against you is because they don't want to fight. They wanted to watch the fight. They wanted somebody, well, somebody needs to do something about this. Well, a Christian says, I'm here. What would you have me do, Lord? David said, what is that noise? I'm sitting here trying to feed my brother some bread and some corn that my daddy sent me with. And this guy, do y'all not hear him cussing? Everybody else just shaking in the boots. And David's going, I am not messing with this nonsense a minute longer. 
You walk in your house and your house feels like there's eggshells and everybody's got to walk on them and every chair's got tacks in it. You don't know where to sit. You don't know where to talk. Before you get in your house, you stand in your driveway and say, I'm not dealing with this one minute longer. I have peace in my home because I serve the Prince of Peace. In the name of Jesus, we're going to walk this thing out. You walk in there and all of a sudden, uh, you, you walk in and you say, hey, babe, how's it going? And she goes, uh, you talking to me? He said, yeah, you look wonderful today. You smell like roses. Now, she's worked all day too. You smell like roses. Well, we're calling things that are not as though they were. Praise the Lord. All of a sudden, things began to shift because you heard something and you refused to stand idly by even though everybody else is not even recognizing it. The scripture continues. He says, David said to Saul, he said, let no man's heart fail. He said, your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul says to David, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth and he's a man of war ever since his youth. Ever since his youth, he's been a man of war. But, but you're just a baby. In, in other words, you're not qualified you, you, listen, there's a promotion at work, but don't even throw your, your name in the hat because you're not qualified. No, you can't go to college. You've missed it. You're already 12 years old. You should have, you should have applied by now. Praise the Lord. There'll be a thousand things. You, you, can, you know what? You can't get certified. Don't even think about that. Don't, you know what? You can't. You can't learn another language. Don't you even think about that. You can, you're not, you're not, you know what, you, your marriage is not strong enough to help somebody else in their marriage uh, whenever it's difficult. You're, you've only been a Christian for 500 years. You can't win somebody to God. Everything will rail against you, will tell you what you cannot do. And, and, and what it's trying to do, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, let me just tell you something. The reciprocal is true too. Doubt comes by hearing and hearing things that are contrary to the word of God. And doubt is what is the enemy of faith. You have faith and you have doubt. In other words, write this down too. Ignore every doubt. Just ignore it. He said, that sounds crazy. No, it's not real crazy. The Bible calls it peculiar. We are not here to be people of doubt. We are here to be people of faith. We are here to believe what God said about our situation. We are here to believe what God is going to do in our life in spite of everything. It doesn't look like it. Well, thank God we don't live by what we see. It doesn't sound like it. Well, thank God we don't just live by what we hear. But you don't understand, I got a bad report. Thank God that we believe the report of the Lord. You see, things begin to shift when you decide to literally ignore your doubts. Number three, if you're taking notes, the cause is greater than your fears. The cause is greater than your insecurities. You will go to heaven one day if you know the Lord. You will walk in and there'll be a, a gate made of pearl or multiple pearls. I, I, I've heard it described both ways. It, it, to, to me, I think it could go either way. The Bible's clear on it. Uh, but I think it could go either way. You're going to walk through a gate 
You're going to be walking on gold streets. There'll be a beautiful river. There'll be a sea that looks like glass or crystal. Uh, uh, there'll be a, a great city there called heaven. Uh, in the region of heaven or in the kingdom of heaven, there'll be a great city called heaven. And, and Jesus is going to be the light of that city. So we won't even need the sun and the moon and the stars. He's going to be the light of that city. And, and, and forever and always, we'll worship and magnify God. And when you meet him, you will want to have accomplished what he has tasked you to accomplish. In other words, the cause is greater than your insecurities. You've got to put the doubts aside for a minute. You've got to put the issues aside for a minute so that we can, as a body, as the body of Christ, begin to pursue, overtake, and recover everything that the enemy has taken in our life. But literally, when we recognize the cause, now things begin to get interesting. And I'm about to answer the number one question today. Why am I still going through everything that I'm going through? Verse 34. He said to him, he says, you can't. Verse 33, he says, you can't do that. Verse 34, he begins to answer him and he says, uh, David said to Saul, your servant, you, you know, I understand that everybody thinks I'm just a shepherd and I was a shepherd. He said, but you don't understand, when I was tending my daddy's sheep, there came a lion and there came a bear. And they took a lamb out of the flock. And, and most people, if they took the lamb out of the flock, would think, oh, thank God he didn't eat them all. He just took one. But see, David, the Bible says, is a man after God's own heart. Later, Jesus said, if I have 99 sheep and one goes missing, I leave the 99 and I go for the one. That's why whenever you walked away from God, you felt like he was just right next to you the whole time. You couldn't get away from him. That's because literally he would leave a church service and go find the people that are far from him. That's what he's about. So the Bible says that he went and pursued uh, uh, the, 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 the lion bear, the lion that took that one sheep. And he, he killed him and he delivered him out of his mouth. And the Bible says when he rose against me, listen to this. I love this. Think about old lion. He said, I caught him by the beard and I smote him. I killed him. I hit him and I killed him. I slew him. He said, I killed both a lion and a bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, he'll be just like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. In other words, David was sitting there and he goes, he goes I know what my reputation is, but can I give you my resume? You see... When you tend sheep, you have a choice. You can, either, you can either let the lions win or you can take the fight to the lions. You can either let the bears win, but the problem is every lion I found as a shepherd, every lion that you don't deal with will be back. Every giant that we don't kill, he'll return. Every bear that we don't deal with, he'll be back. He said, he said, you don't understand. He said, I was a shepherd. And I was out there doing my shepherd thing. And one of the things Saul I'm pretty good with, I'm good with a slingshot. And, and I, what I would do is I, I would take some old Campbell soup cans and I'd set them up on a, on, a, on, a, on a stump out there in the middle of the woods. And I'd out there and I'd, I'd sling my stone and boom, it got to where I could hit every one of those Campbell soup cans. And one day I was sitting there 
And this lion comes out. And he's roaring. He's starving and doing lion things. And he comes up and he grabs one of those little baby lambs. And I thought, now this won't stand. It's either the lamb or me. But that lion has got to go. And he said, he went over, he said, I I pursued the lion that had the lamb. And I went over and when the lion turned at me, you see, that's what happens. You see somebody who's hurting, who's harmed, and immediately in the moment, somebody or something's going to lash out at you. They say the quickest way to drown is to try to save somebody that's drowning. Because they're just flopping, they're just lashing out, they're just trying to get away. And that lion turned. And the very part of the lion that should have scared him is where he got his best grip. In other words, the minute that the enemy exposes himself to you is the opportunity for you to get a hold of the enemy and make sure he knows his place. So he grabbed the lion by the, by the, by the beard, and, and the Bible says he just hit the lion. Bang. I don't know if he hit him with a stick. I don't know if he hit him with his hand. I'd like to think he just punched him right in the nose. Just bang. Because when I grew up, that's what they used to tell you. If you got a bully dealing with you, you punch him in the nose. I know you're not supposed to say that anymore, but that's what we said. Seemed to be less bullies then, I thought. But a lion come running around. Grabbed by the beard, just bang, just punched him in the nose. And then, and then maybe, I don't know how he killed him, but then he killed him after that. And I don't know, if I was David, I would have skinned that sucker. I'd have made me a lion uh, uh, robe. And I'd have been, I'd have been, I'd have been the, the lion tamer. Praise the Lord. I'd have, had a, I'd have tied that sucker around. It'd have been, I'd have had that thing like a mask. And all my sheep would have been like, whoa, what's going on? I'd be like, no, man, it's just me. No problem, you know. But I would have had that thing. I'd have been carrying that sucker around. But David, he he begins to explain to Saul, he begins to give him his resume. So here's, here's why you're still going through the things you're still going through. God is building your resume for your next promotion. You see, you can't, you can't, you can't take the same resume for the CEO position that you took when you started from the bottom in the bottom of the company. There has to be something you go through or else how does God know he can trust you through the rest of the way? And, and let me just say it differently. Privates are not sent to deal with generals. In other words, when, when, you're, when you're ranking up, you're like been in, been in church 100 years, 25 years, living for God, trying to figure it all out. Why am I still fighting that? That's because the devil still considers you a threat. When's the last time you grabbed him by the mouth and hit him in the nose? You say, well, how do I do that? The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. The Bible says, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. When my enemy shows up, what's my job? Grab a fork and grab a knife. Because the buffet is about to be set. Without your enemy, without your enemy, where does he prepare a table? He tells us where it is. So, so in other words, what, what, if, what if this happened in your life? What if the next time, now spiritually, he, the devil doesn't come to you with a pitchfork and, and, and a pointy tail. He comes to you with what he thinks he can trip you with. And what he used to bring at you, oftentimes he doesn't bring at you anymore because it doesn't work anymore. In other words, hey, why don't you go out all night and get drunk and ruin your life? You're not going to do that anymore. So he's not tempting you with that anymore. Now he tempts you with, you know what? 
why don't you just talk a little bit about a Christian? Why don't, why don't, why don't you just, you know, we're not, you know, I shouldn't be talking about them, but did you know Billy did this, 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 and this? And you say, well, that sounds small compared to going out and ruining your life on a bar stool. And the devil's going, y'all don't understand. In his kingdom, the obvious stuff is the small stuff. And the hidden things are the big things. So he sends the little devils to see if you'll still roll up a joint and smoke it. And then he sends the great big devils to see, can I just get a little division in the body of Christ? Can I just get a small little divide? Maybe I can just throw me a little doubt in there. Maybe I can get them to doubt whether or not God's going to deliver them again. Maybe I'll just get them to doubt whether or not God's going to supply their needs according to His risk. Well, maybe I can just get a little doubt. See if I can't sow a little doubt. So maybe spiritually it looks like this. He comes to your door and knocks. and You say, who is it? And he doesn't say, oh, it's Lucifer. (laughs) He'll say, oh, it's an angel of light. Because the Bible says he disguises himself as an angel of light. And you go, oh, an angel. Well, bless the Lord. I'd love to meet an angel. You open the door and then all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, you're not an angel. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to do, uh, excuse me, could you just wait just one second? I, I just got to do this one thing. And the devil's like, well, yeah. I mean, I've got to get to the bar, but yeah, okay. And you go say, honey, come here, come here. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> Come here. Check this out. You walk over, you say, look at that. And the devil's like, what is happening? And she's like, who is that? He goes, that's the devil. <laughs> and she's like, what are you talking about? She goes, he goes, I don't know, I don't know, but let's try it, okay? Just hold my hand right here. Ready? Uh, uh, ready? Because he's saying we're, gonna, we're just going to drown in debt and we're never going to make it. It's all going to be horrible. Just, just hold my hand. Just go away. Close your eyes. I know he's right here, but we'll just see. Okay, just close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. All right, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Ready? My God shall supply my needs according to his riches in glory. Now, all of a sudden, the devil's like, ah, they know the Bible. And what you did spiritually is you grabbed him by the beard, you punched him in the nose, and wherever you resist the devil, he has to flee. The problem is, if you don't know you're in a fight, you will never, have, you will never hear the call to arms. David heard what nobody else heard. It wasn't their battle. It was his battle. You're going through something. I'm not going through it. I'm going through something. You're not going through it because it's my battle. And guess what's going to happen? Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes me to triumph in Christ. You're still in a fight because he's building your resume for your next promotion. Stand to your feet. I'm going to wrap it up. One other thing, just as a side note, years later after that, David goes and fights the giant, he cuts his head off, carries it around. But, but, but years later, David is being pursued and he's trying to figure out, where, what do I do, where do I go? And he didn't even have a sword, the Bible says. And he runs into a priest and he says, hey priest, you got any swords? And he says, as a matter of fact, I have the sword of Goliath. And David says, there are no swords Like that sword, let me have it. And David used the sword that he took from Goliath years after the victory in the valley. 
Can I say it differently? Today's battles produce tomorrow's weapons. When you endure through it today, next time, your next issue, your next situation, you are more prepared because our God who supplies our needs is able to do again what he has done before. Our job is to rehearse. He, I killed a lion and I killed a bear. Nothing's going to stand against me. When we grab the weapons from today's fight, to ensure tomorrow's victories. Bow your head. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you now. And we say, Father, we know we're going through some things, but I just thank you we're not going through it alone. I thank you that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you, Lord God, that as, we are, as our resume is built while we're serving you, And Father, we don't lose heart. Like you prayed for Peter. You say, I pray that your faith would fail not. I pray that your people's faith would fail not. That the battle would not be the spotlight. But rather you would be, you would have the spotlight on you in the battle. So Father, I thank you for equipping us. Even as we're going through life. As you're taking us from glory to glory. And victory to victory. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Praise God. If you're here today and you've never joined our church, but you know this is the church for you, we have a new members class coming up probably next month, I believe it is. But we'll make sure and let you know that. But I would never want you to feel like, you know, scheduling stopped you from joining our church. The Bible says that those that are planted in the house of the Lord can flourish. In other words, uh, Philippians, the first chapter, it says that whenever we partner together, you become a partaker of every grace that's on this house. So today, if you've never joined our church, maybe it's your first time here, but you know this is the place for you. Maybe you gave your life to God or you recommitted your life to God. Here, you know this is the place for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to put a microphone in front of your face. There's not a 10-step program you got to go through to join our church. We just want you to be planted in the house of God because it's our dream that your dreams would come true. So maybe you've been here for weeks, months, or maybe it's your first time here, but that's you. Uh, if, if you know this is the house for you, when I count to three, just lift your hand and let us celebrate with you. If you know and you've never made it official, let us celebrate with you. Let's just tell you we love you. One, two, three. Lift your hand real tall. Praise God. Give him a hand, y'all. Praise God. Praise God. Back here. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Well, listen, guys, I'm going to pray, but whenever you get planted in this house, that means you're a partaker. That means any good gift that's on this house is on your family now. Grace, faith, increase, health. These are grace. These are, these are deposits that are on this house. They're on your house now. That means that when one person gives their heart to God, and we had a lot this morning, you're a partaker of that because we are partnered together. So if that's you and you uh, are joining the church today, even if you filled that card out a hundred times, Please do me a favor, take that card before you leave, fill it out, mark on there you want to be a member, and drop it by the tent, and we'll make sure and get you all the information about membership as well as when our next classes come up. Amen? Give them one more hand, y'all. That's powerful. Let me pray a blessing on you. Father, for those who have joined our work today, who joined this house, 
I thank you, Lord God, that they are strong in you, they are planted in you, and they will flourish in you. I thank you, Lord God, for every person that said yes to Jesus today, and we magnify you both in the trial, but we magnify you throughout every situation of our life. In Jesus' mighty, precious, holy name, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.